Focus, focus, focus. You've defined what is going to make the biggest difference on your matrix by helping your team become better performers. Don't be distracted by shiny opportunities. You have to focus on it. You have to measure it. You have to coach it. You have to support it. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi guys, episode 139 of the Business Mastermind podcast, Gavin here. I hope I find you well and with a smile on your face. Today, we're bringing back Chris Lowe. Chris is topping the charts in terms of the most download episode so far, and we had a conversation last time on sales effectiveness way back in episode 74. Today, we're going to talk about transforming the performance of your sales team without help. Intriguing, hey? So um, I'm not going to give away too much, but he takes you through the things that you can do with your sales team without external help to sort of get them back up to speed after if they've been furloughed and to improve their performance. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. And it's not just me that you are welcoming you back. I'm bringing Chris Lowe back on. Um, Chris uh, from Insight Six, the specialist in customer experience, I've got a really stellar and strong background in sales and running national sales teams in the pharmaceutical industry through moving on to really helping businesses transform not only their sales team's performance, but also the customer experience that they create with their clients. So Chris has been on the podcast before and his podcast is <laughs> topping the chart in terms of the most downloaded uh, show of all time. So I wanted to bring Chris back. Um, clearly his enigmatic personality and his stellar knowledge in the world of sales and customer experience is of interest to you, as, to you guys as listeners. So Chris, welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Thank you very much, Gavin. Great to be back. Thank you. So today, um, You've cooked up for us a little treat, a rather intriguing title, which um, I know you're going to love, and it's transforming the performance of your sales team without help. And I think at that at a moment in time when everybody's sort of sales teams and sales activity have been significantly disrupt- disrupted, I think this is a great topic to talk about. So, yeah, do you want to sort of set a sort of context to that transforming the performance of your sales teams without help? Yeah, I mean, I think I think most sales managers and people who look after sales teams have been in that position where they have a team. It's um, it's either got quite a lot of highly mixed performances within the team. You're struggling to change the growth levels. You're tweaking things here. You're tweaking things there, uh, but you're not really seeing the change in performance that you were hoping for. So I thought I'd kind of look at that, but also to say, well, actually, you know, you've got, you've probably got a, a marketing team behind you, different teams in the head office behind you. Um, but, you know, at times where there's limited finance available in terms of to put behind um, different activities, what can you do on your own? What can you do to change the performance of your sales team without needing any support from anywhere else? So that's the kind of context for it. Great. Okay. So 
I know you're super organized and I know you're a, you're a deep and clear thinker. So I'm sure you've outlined some bullet points that you're going to take us through. Uh, because of course, there is, as you rightly say, there's going to be much less uh, physical resource, face-to-face support and financial support at, at the moment. So uh, I think it's going to be really valuable. So over to you. Yeah, so um, I think the kind of key aspects, I mean, I'm just looking at one, when I say one simple program, it's not, there's what, I'm looking at kind of what, where to look for the opportunities to transform performance within your team. Um, so we're going to look at the different places that you might go to start getting some sort of structure behind identifying what your higher performers are doing more consistently than the rest of the team. Then we're going to have a look at, well, how do you go about doing that? Finally, uh, we're going to look at, well, we're we're going to touch on what you're likely to find actually, and then how you might go about transforming your, your, your team performance based on what you find. Okay. Okay. Yep. Fire away. Typically, we tend to chase the shiny opportunities. We see something that might be an idea that might help the team to grow a little bit faster. But I think if you're looking to transform the performance of your team, it's better to look at it from a more strategic uh, perspective. So what I would do is if I had a team or I walked into somewhere and I could see a team, what I would do is I would try to understand immediately or in the in the kind of at a course of four six eight weeks what is it that makes the difference between your top performers or what are they doing what activities how are they doing things differently to those people who tend to be at the bottom um, on a consistent basis yes so that you can then replicate it and 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 get the people at the bottom and the mid to start to to, to do more consistent activities that are the right things that are going to then impact on the sales. So to do that, what you've got to do is you've got to look at many different aspects of performance and activities from your team and start to measure them. You can have your own ranking systems because bottom line is we want to build a matrix so that we can start to identify what good performance looks like. So I'd start by looking at the sales uh, market share performance. You start to have a look at, you know, who's performing in that respect and maybe you could rank your team. Um, I'd look at different input activities and typically that might be number of appointments made. It might be speaker meetings. It might be, you know, it might be LinkedIn um posts it could be many many different things uh face-to-face meetings uh booked uh demonstrations booked you could look at it in many different ways um and you will probably have a set of kpis for your team but what i would say is be really careful about the kpis that you set um because some of them can be sales limiting i hear so many so many teams or sales teams talking about they do things because they have to not because they think it's going to grow the business so they end up spending their time doing things that are measured and measured in measured for the wrong reasons rather than doing the things that are going and to I've, I've seen that before you know you talk about measures and of course you can have input measures or lead lead indicators and you could have output measures or lag indicators and you know an input or input measure can be the number of appointments made 
uh, leading hopefully to a certain conversion rate to an output measure. But I've seen in some organization them being, say, um, mandated to do seven appointments a week, and yet, uh, irrespective of the caliber of those appointments, but let's say that there was two significant opportunities, two significant new appointments that would require a lot of prep for to, in order to have a, you know, a favorable impression. The individual uh, concerned did that prep and did a super good job of those two meetings that actually went on to business, but got you know chastised because he hadn't hit his seven meetings target in that particular week. Exactly. So what you end up is um, you end up chastising some of your top performers who are actually yeah. <laughs> best sales, mm-hmm. congratulating the people who got seven appointments with the wrong type of person that are never going to either drive real growth or any growth whatsoever. Absolutely. Speak to those seven and, you know, if you spoke to them confident, confidentially, they would probably say I'm told to get seven. So whatever happens, I'm getting seven. You know, it doesn't matter who with, I am getting seven. Um, so if you set kind of activities as being the primary target and the primary KPI, but they don't actually lead to sales, then you could be, you know, pushing them in the wrong direction. So KPIs is one thing. Targeting, you know, what, you're, what you may find if you don't, if you haven't actually built any sort of targeting system that looks at um, high, medium, low potential customers, what you'll what what you'll find probably is when you when you look at it is that the people who are more focused on the outcomes and on the sales are more likely to go for your higher medium potentials those more focused on just achieving kpis um will go potentially on the low potential unless you do it thoroughly okay um and campaign implementation so you may be you may have a product mix you may have um a number of different services or products that you sell um, and you may identify that your that that some people are selling certain products really well some people are selling others well but the reality is are they selling the right products to the to the to the to the right customers who have the right potential um, or are they selling their favorite product um, which is pretty typical in a lot of sales teams people sell what they love most not necessarily what's going to have the biggest impact on the sales because that can be a confidence thing it can be a product knowledge thing it could be many many things so um what else would we look at certainly one of the biggest things i would look at is selling skills okay language used in calls um there's a there is a view in some in some areas of business that people can sell or they can't or, or, or they can't and there's no changing that they're just really good at what they do or they're not um, but selling skills is very very trainable if you've got somebody with the right attitude to change and learning um, and what you'll find is when you look at any sort of selling skills model that there are people who use the techniques within selling skills models more often and more consistently and when they do they'll get better outcomes more consistently um, but you'll find that a lot of salespeople are never fully trained or if they're trained the training isn't embedded and coached so it's a part that yes um an, an engaging outgoing uh, warm personality isn't enough to maximize your sales actually you've got to follow proven models 
that will increase your chances of taking somebody on a journey to a, a to a, a yes decision absolutely it's a good start to have an engaging and warm personality yes <laughs> really really does help um however uh if you've got that and you can combine that with asking the right questions, identifying what's really important to people, identifying the challenges they're facing, help um, and, and you can identify what they're, what they're measured on, what they're trying to achieve, what are the outcomes they want, what's the impact of not doing it um, or not doing something about it or it not necessarily working out, then you know you can have some really it really kind of builds the need and the desire to change something especially when you really consider the impact on that person whether it be them in their role whether it means what does it mean for their lifestyle um, outside of work when they start to achieve how how it makes them feel all of those different things so the right language is absolutely critical it's one of the biggest things um, that you will see if you can measure well if you can measure it you will you, you you will start to see why some people outperform others um quite significantly and you'll often see you know your top probably 20 percent of your sales force doing you know probably some somewhere around 60 percent of the sales what else might you look at you might look at the way that um your team plan um not just in terms of you know who they're going to see it's how the timing or the contact they might do it online it doesn't it doesn't you know matter in that respect and uh, these days it's obviously changed quite a lot um, but also you know the research they do before discuss having a, a initial contact with a client or or new prospect and then you know what are they going to ask you also want to look at the motivation levels the confidence levels of your team and there are different ways of measuring that or just getting a gauge from spending time with them. We could just um, pause you there and we just say that in the context of maybe some sales teams have been furloughed and um, they're coming back to work and they're sort of not match fit. What sort of tips could you get to bring, give to a sales manager, sales leader to, to bring his team back up to a level of confidence again? Confidence in terms of coming back in terms of are you talking about safety or confidence in their own skills in the skills i suppose you've got to ask them individually i'd ask every individual how are you feeling about coming back you know what is it that you um is there anything you're concerned about is there anything you feel we could support you with um so that when you are back and 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 um with clients you know that would help you immediately you know get back up to speed because we can all get a bit rusty if you follow someone for three months mm. I can't remember half the product i can't even remember the password <laughs> for sure yeah the technical side of any of the products and the or services they sell might be a bit more of a challenge so you know it, it all goes on you know asking them you might want to survey them and say which of the following would you know it, it would benefit you if you want to do it you know anonymously but i'd be if you've got a good relationship with your team i'd I'd sit down and say look you know we want to support you to be as good as you can be as good as you were when you stopped yeah in terms of support from us great call 
Okay, I, I, sorry I interrupted you. No, it's fine. It's absolutely, it's absolutely fine because motivation uh, and confidence links directly to performance because you can hear in the tone of an individual when they either don't believe in what they're saying or they're not sure what they're saying or they don't believe they're going to get a sale. It comes yeah, through. Absolutely. As soon as you've got that, as soon as, you, as soon as that starts to kind of come into play or a, peop- or a person doesn't believe they're good at what they do, which is why it's so important for salespeople to feel good at what they do. That motivation and enthusiasm plus certainty really does sell, doesn't it? It does sell. I mean, you're either feeling like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really good at what I do and I, you know, and, you know, I will do well when I have conversations versus, do you know what? I'm really not sure I can sell this. Well, your tone will come across and you won't sell it. So, it's, it's really important then you've got attitude to change which you can assess over you probably know already for all your individuals and your sales team if you've been there for a while but um let's face it if you've got poor performers who have a a a, a negative attitude to change and will not change have not changed and never demonstrated they'll change you're probably going to have to make some tough decisions because that person or those people will take your sales team down. You, if they won't change and they do the same thing that are not working consistently, then you're going to have significant challenges. You're never going to change them. You're just going to have to accept poor results. Um, so you need to take um, difficult decisions at times with individuals um, that won't change and are not currently performing. Are you tired of the instability of your business? Do you want to stop cash flow challenges, achieve stability in profit, and build a business that you could sell? Do you want to introduce strategies that provide certainty of income, reinvigorate you and your team so that you put an end to plateauing and get your business thriving again? In every sector, in every country, in every state of the economy, there are always businesses that book the trend and outperform the market. It is possible to turn your business around and grow the profitability, reach and impact of your business and put your business back on course for a worthy exit or rewarding future. In my new book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business, I show you how. I wrote this book for business owners who are putting so much into their business at the expense of time with their family and on their health and who are not getting the results that they desire. I have brought 25 years of experience working in businesses large and small and combining the disciplines of business strategy with mindset with scaling a business to bring you a proven way to scale your business with certainty. To grab your free copy of Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business, go to www.surviveandthrive.com I'll cover the cost of the book. You just cover the cost of shipping and handling. So head over to surviveandthrive.cc to get your free copy of the book. So we've we've um, engaged with them, bringing them back. We're checking the levels of motivation. Um, we're checking with their questions, the, the preparation, the questions that they're using, how they're showing up. What's next? So... What's next is what you've got to do behind that is start to kind of put a a measure behind all of those different elements and build yourself a matrix. And it could be because it might have quite a number of elements on it and you'll need to score each individual for each of the elements that we've just, we've just discussed. 
Um, and the reason you do that is because what we're trying to define by looking at a matrix is what are your top performers doing that you're or doing or doing well um, that your mid to low performers aren't. So if you were say looking at your, your sales and market share growth, um, uh, your inputs, your KPIs, your activity on target groups, that's really quite easy to analyze from you know a, a, a data set that you would tend to have if you pull it all together. Um, now obviously the actual sales and sales growth is going to define you know what a top performer what your top performers look like or who your top performers are then you've got the kpis and activity on on, on the right target group high potential target groups and mid, mid potential target groups versus low um that's really easy and that's like a piece of analysis that you can just drop into your matrix you've just got to decide what scores what then the ways of measuring other things so you might have your planning your selling skills you might do a training needs analysis by listening to your salespeople and measuring them across a a, a selling skills model across each of the different elements um your understanding people's confidence their comp their product knowledge and their campaign implementation they come from spending time with the team they come from sitting and listening listening to them talking to customers seeing what the customer reaction is um and again you would then after doing that over a kind of i don't know four to six weeks would be able to you know drop some scores into your matrix However, you just got to be really, really careful of the halo and horns effect because there'll be people in your team through no fault of your own that you will like more than others. But what you really try to do is put some objective measures in here. Okay. And that's, that's absolutely critical that you don't start upscoring people because you think, oh, they, yeah, I, I do think they do that normally. I didn't see it, but I'm pretty sure they do it normally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Just this is about identifying what is really important to growing the sales. And then the final piece for the uh, matrix is measuring your attitude to change and motivation levels. And again, the attitude to change, consider over time. You'll have, you know, suggested people do things in different ways. Um, and you'll get it. You'll you'll probably have a gut feel to has how how they how they change over time. And then the motivational levels you can use, you can, you can survey the team. So you can use voice of the employee. Um, and also you can get, a, a, by spending time with people as well, you can also get a feel for that in terms of their, what do you think? How enthusiastic are they feeling? How excited are they? You, you would hope that people that if they have been furloughed for several months will be excited to get back to work and would want to actually kind of have a, a strong restart and uh, do what they can in terms of the sales figures uh, for the remainder of the year. You hope so. Although I think at the moment you've got to be really careful about how you tar how you set your targets. That's a, actually, that's a really good point just for us to, to reflect on for a moment. So what sort of advice or thoughts would you have about target setting at the moment? Conservative. Yeah, yeah. Be conservative. Don't stretch, because there are so many businesses at the moment. I'm, I'm not saying don't sell, because there's loads of opportunities. 
and people are buying and they are starting to buy again. But if your targets are the same as they were um, before COVID-19, then is that a realistic way of getting your team back on board? Do they feel that no. they hit targets immediately? If they don't feel like they can hit them, they're, not, they're unlikely to hit them. If you give them a lower sales target and they think, do you know what? I can hit that. They'll overachieve. If you give them a, if you give them a target that's, 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 that's too stretching, then I wouldn't ask them, what do you think it should be? Yeah, and of course, if they overachieve the less stretching target, that builds momentum, and they, some of them will want to carry on and push further. Yeah, they'll feel good at what they do. They'll feel that they're doing well, and you're more likely to get a higher kind of result and a, and a sales point than if you overstretch them and they quit before they even start. Yeah. You've got your matrix. Right? Yeah. So in that matrix you know that your top performers are likely to doing more or doing them better on certain aspects that grow the sales. But what's really interesting is when you start to, to pull this together, what you'll find is they're unlikely to be the best at all aspects in the matrix. So you might say you might see your poorer performers actually overachieving or, or outperforming some of the top performers on some of the matrix. It might be certain KPIs. So as we discussed before, it might be on, you know, that person's getting two meetings, two meetings a week, and the other one's getting seven. But actually, the two meetings a week is what's really growing the business because that there's your top performer. So what you start to do is you have a, th- have a look at your top performers and identify where they outperform the mid to low ones. Where are the kind of consistent elements that make them top performers within your matrix. And then once you've identified what these factors are, then it's that simple. It's really that simple. You just pick one or two out for improvement. You don't pick out what's scoring the lowest. You pick out the ones that the top performers are outperforming everybody else on. And then you focus on those. Okay. And is that kind of a... Um, a shadowing approach is it a show and tell you know do you get the top performers to, to role model and demonstrate how they go about those uh, those particular areas that they are so much better on you can do um, um i quite like it when you pair people up and let as long as you do it in a as long as you do it in a structured manner so what you could do is you can um you can either get a one of the poorer performers or the mid performers to pair with a top performer and listen to what they're doing and how they're saying things. It depends on what the criteria is, but let's say it's an in-call selling skills piece that, 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 that makes them a top performer might be questioning skills. Then you sit them next to them and say, listen to this, make some notes and tell me what you thought was really good about the questions that were asked. And, and spend you know half a day with them, spend an hour with them, spend a couple of hours. It depends on the type of sales team you've got and where they're based. But absolutely, um, if it, it has to be structured though, they have to come back and say, "This is what I learned, and this is what I'm going to do differently as a result." However, the first thing I would do is I would actually share the findings with the team from the matrix. Um, I wouldn't share it. I would share it really generically. I will say that 
you know, these are the, this is what I've, this is what I've learned by spending time and looking at all the different measures that there are the kind of these two key areas. If we were better at all, we did more of, we would end up with significantly better performances right across the team. Um, and then you might get the team together for sales meetings, um, ask them for their input. Um, how do we get there? How do we improve? How do we make these areas shine? Um, it might require further training if it's selling skills, if it's product knowledge. It might require regu regular kind of coaching, coaching time, which is another piece that is just so, so important um, for any sales manager to spend enough time with their team to identify and support them coach them on areas of development they're going to have the biggest impact on the business and also um, allow you to embed that so it's not good enough it's just not good enough to see somebody once every two months and talk about development you have to see them either with their customers or listen to their contacts listen to their calls and coach them um, and support them to do better calls and put that into a development plan at the end of that session. Okay. And then, then when you see them again for their next development session, which might or with customers or whatever that might be, you need to start the day or that time by saying, okay, this is what we agreed we do last time. That's what I'm looking for during this session now i want to hear you know how you've implemented that how you've changed that i want to hear that in the language when you're talking to your customers and then we can talk about how we can further develop that so it has to be embedded it has to happen frequently the team have got to have got to know that this is there's that we're we're going to be carrying on on this kind of cycle of development and there's an expectation that the team are going to implement it and right. then Focus, focus, focus. You've defined what is going to make the biggest difference on your matrix by helping your team become better performers. Don't be distracted by shiny opportunities. You have to focus on it. You have to measure it. You have to coach it. You have to support it. And you have to do that for a reasonable amount of time until the new behaviors are embedded and then you, so that people are doing things differently and in a better way. And that's that constant reinforcement, uh, keeping them focused on the areas for improvement and presumably providing them the feedback as well. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, as many opportunities as you can. Every time you see them do something that's really kind of, that's a change and it's, and it's different and they're attempting something different, it doesn't matter whether it's not as effective. You should applaud the fact that they're trying to change. Yes. Um, if it is effective and it's working, you know, that needs really celebrating and it needs enthusiastically celebrating because what you're trying, what, what, what you want to do is to tell the individual that you think that actually what they're doing is a, is, is a good thing and it links directly to their sales performance to do it more often. That's um, a fundamental psychological tenant of um, reinforcing the behavior that you do want rather than, you know, chastising for the behavior that you don't. Exactly. So even when they're not doing, they're trying to change, but they're not doing necessarily the right things. You've just got to coach them around it. Talk to me. Okay. Help me understand. Uh, that was what I loved about that was 
the fact that you're, you're trying to implement, what are the challenges you faced when implementing this? How's it worked for you? How could it be better in the future? But obviously you've got that positive stroke, you know, at the start, because you, you know, it's great to see people want to change and do things differently. They're doing it for the right reason. Your challenge is if you're seeing no change and you're coaching and you're supporting. Coaching and supporting, I think, um, it, to get the very best out of everybody is not only essential, but it's, it's continual. It needs to be there. And yet in many sales teams, I see uh, frustrated sales managers at the point where the results aren't being delivered, forgetting to encourage coach and support and turn into you know command and control and the bollockings basically i agree with you sadly that's never going to make a great sales team no and i think i think i I completely agree and a key part of that transforming their performance in a team is making sure that you're looking after them we've just been talking that there about looking after them in terms of uh, helping them identify where they need to improve, providing them positive reinforcement and encouragement and keeping them focused on the areas that they need to improve. But also more sort of, uh, in addition to that, there's kind of like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's, there's basic um, sort of survival protection needs. And you've got a COVID checker at the moment that is helping teams, whether the sales teams or otherwise, helping employers check in with their, their teams to make sure that they feel safe. Yeah, we've got... Um... You know, obviously outside of my kind of Salesforce effectiveness thing, our core around the, you know, the things that we do at Insight 6 around transforming um, customer experience. And so we've got dashboarded feedback systems and we've, um, during the, the pandemic, we've flipped this, we flipped it around. So dashboarded feedback system is, is set up. So it asks employees and let's say you've got a sales team, for example, you've got a sales team who are about to start going out to see customers again. Um, what's really good is to demonstrate that actually you care about that sales team, you care about how they feel. So you can set this um, dashboarded automated system up so that it sends out a simple single question. Did you feel safe at work today? And you can set that any kind of to, to, to go out on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, whatever that might be. And um, if they say yes, that's absolutely fine. Nothing else happens. Um, if they say no, then the, it will open up another question that, that all it says is, you know, can you tell us why? Um, and that leads to opportunities to identify how you can safeguard your teams in any organization, not just sales one, but safeguard your teams, identify what they need in place to feel safer. Um, because as with anyone, if they're not feeling safe, they're feeling uncomfortable if they're not going to be at their best at work. Um, and I'd say that's absolutely, you know, for a sales team, they need to be feeling superb if they're going to, you know, perform well. Um, so what we found was somewhere in the region, you'll probably say the average of people who didn't feel safe at work on first measurement is somewhere around 7% in an organization. Um, but the range is quite wide when you look at that. And you will see that by answering those questions the, the first time or the second time, you know, saying we well, don't feel safe and this is why, you can put interventions in place. And what we see is you might have had a 7% average at wave one, but by the time you're asking that on the second and third time and you've put 
measures in place, you're down to about 2%. So it's really important in terms of how people feel at work. Invaluable. Uh, and if one of, if, if some employees are finding it a little bit more challenging to encourage those on fail, furlough on, at home on 80% of pay to get back into the place of work, if you can actually raise an address, are you feeling physically safe to come back to work? You know, that that's one step in the right direction. But also you just... You're just ex- not only exhibiting your duty of care to look after your employees, but you're, you're also being compassionate and caring because, of course, there's not just the physical health component, there's the mental health component. And using a tool like you you have can help to identify any, it will start to identify any underlying mental health challenges as well. Absolutely. And the, you can set the system up so, you know, Feedback Direct, it's called, you can set it up so that it... Um, can ask furlough people who are just about to come back how they're feeling what are they concerned about so you can you can tackle those concerns before they've actually come back great reassurance i love that so how do people find out more a, about feedback direct and more in general about your work and the team at insight six oh i could give you a contact number <laughs> happy to do that um, and also uh, a website great let's go with the website first the website first Okay, let me pull that up. It's insight6.com. Insight6, and that's the numeral 6.com. And a phone number to contact you. Phone number for me is 07818015317. Great, and that's a UK number with a plus 44 prefix if necessary. Chris, once again, thank you. Uh, really respectful of your time and thank you so much. I know how busy you are to come on to the show today to share, you know, for me, which is a very uh, solid and um, timely walkthrough about what you need to do to bring your sales teams back and not only to do that in a very cost-effective way internally, actually address performance and improve performance. So thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Gavin. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.